0: As I've walked these many miles. I've aged my hands, bruised my feet. Pressing my pen to the paper, leaving a legacy that I did not intend. In our truest character, I don't believe we intend to be great. Our minds waver with fear that our heart is not capable of great things. Is our potential as heroes? Will we be people that run away from the fire or toward it? My destination may be unknown, but my path is set. My journey is fixed on one direction. Everything that defines us as legends, the hero of our stories, above all else, our desire, and our hope should now and always be to move forward.
1: Hey, Cornerstone. Wow, it's that hard, huh? <laughs> Who's playing today and I don't know about it? Hey, I want to do a big shout out to to uh, our campuses at Santan and over at Scottsdale. It is just so cool to know that. Uh, People are joining that we're doing this together and we're changing communities for Jesus Christ because we're locking hands together and all of our services are part of this thing so it's just fun and thank you guys for being part of that we're in a series called legend now let me unpack that for you for just a second We're actually doing, don't tell anybody, but we're actually doing uh, a survey of the book of Acts. And so, when we get done with this, you're going to have a pretty good understanding of this particular book of the Bible, which really deals with all that happened in the early church. And more specifically, you and I are unpacking one guy's life uh, by the name of Paul, who is the central character uh, for much of the book of Acts. And here's uh, what we've been asking. What does Paul know that you and I don't know? And here's why that's critical. This guy's life is legendary, hence the title, legend. Paul may be the second most influential human ever to walk the face of the earth outside of the person of Jesus Christ. While all the rest of the disciples are huddled up in fear and having a little home Bible study in Jerusalem, Paul with courage is going out to the then known world and literally saturates the entire Roman world with the story of Jesus and the church explodes and literally the Roman Empire turns Christian as a direct result of the ministry and the life of this guy named Paul. You and I still feel the effects of his life today. Because of the church and the power and how he launched and the thoroughness with which which he did that. The New Testament, which is where you and I get the majority of our knowledge about doctrine and faith and practice, the majority of the New Testament is written by a guy by the name of Paul. This guy is changing lives today. He's probably the second most influential human to ever walk the face of the earth. And so here's what we're asking. What does he know that you and I don't know? What does he do that you and I are not inclined to do? And if you and I were to learn from this guy's life, is it possible that you and I would live legendary lives for God? So we're just unpacking that together. Now if you were here last week, here is where we began. Paul starts his life being highly religious. He is all the way in, he is fully committed. The reality is he's more religious than anybody you've ever met. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, which makes him a prodigy of his faith. He's in the elite 40 of all the guys who believe what he believes in Judaism. He's a Pharisee, which I know we talk about Pharisees being hypocrites, but you didn't know, Pharisees were the most devout followers of Judaism of the day. They followed Scripture and the teachings of the rabbis to the letter the reason Jesus called them hypocrites, is because they were so busy being religious, they failed to connect with God Himself. And that's what Paul discovered last week. He was so busy being religious, he hadn't made a legitimate real connection with God. He discovers Jesus Christ as he's on the road to Damascus, and Jesus halts him there, and he realizes for the first time in his life, this isn't about being good. This isn't about a bunch of man-made rules, and going to church enough, and doing confession enough. This is about a Personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that was huge because here's why. Some of us grew up religious. Some of us in this room, you've been coming to church and you've been doing that because you thought that was a good thing to do. It was the right thing to do. And maybe God would be happy with you for doing it. And the reality is you were being religious and still had not made a legitimate connection with God Himself. And they're different. And Paul exposed that last week. This week, We're gonna watch what Paul does next. Once he figures out this thing of faith, what does Paul do next? And, And here's what we're gonna discover, that Paul immediately determines in his life to say, if I don't do anything else right in my life, if I mess up every other part of my life, I'm gonna get one part of my life right, and it's this, it's following Jesus. I don't care what I have to sacrifice, I don't care what I have to give up, I don't care what adjustments i got to make in my life, if I don't get anything else right, I'm going to get one thing right, following Jesus. Matter of fact, uh, we unpack that story in the book of Acts. You don't have to go there, uh, because this is just a little bit of background, but if you want to, it's Acts chapter 9. Uh, starting in verse 11, I, I want to just read the next part of the story. What happened right after Paul made this decision of faith uh, in his life? It's Acts chapter 9, uh, verse 11, if you just happen to follow along, but don't, don't we've got some other passages I want you to turn to, don't worry so much about this one. Let me give you some background real quick. So, Paul is there, he's traveling on the road to Damascus, on his way to kill Christians. Jesus appears to him, says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul realizes everything he's been doing has been wrong. He makes a personal profession of faith and becomes a follower of Christ. Now what? Now what? Because everything he's believed, everything he's thought has just been thrown into turmoil. Now what? And this is the next chapter. This is the next part of the story. And here's what God does. God appears to a Christian by the name of Ananias and says, look, you need to take this guy under your wing. This guy has no idea what to do next. I'm giving you an assignment. You work with this guy. Help him. He's a baby Christian. To which Ananias is not too thrilled because he's going, God, this guy kills Christians. Not exactly who I want to hang out with. And God says, no, 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 we're doing a really cool thing in this guy's life. You go help him. Okay, the other part too is we read the passage. At this point in time, Paul is still called Saul. That was actually his birth name, that's where he starts out, it changes somewhere. We don't know exactly why for sure, maybe, maybe it was just too hard to be known as Saul after this because now he's a follower of Christ and everybody remembers the guy who killed Christians, I don't know, but somewhere his name changes to Paul. But right now in the passage he's still being called Saul. So here we go, Acts chapter 9, let me read this to you real quick, watch real closely what happens. The Lord told him," this is talking about Ananias, that Christian that he's gonna send to help Paul, "...go to the house of Judas," don't get freaked out, that's not Judas Iscariot. At this time the name Judas was just like Jeff or Rob, it's just a totally common name at this time. So he says, "...go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, Paul. For he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias." Come to and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord Ananias said, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to the saints in Jerusalem and he has come here. The whole reason he's coming to my town. He has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call upon your name. This guy's here to kill Christians. But the Lord said to Ananias, "No, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry out my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and he entered it, placing his hands on Saul, Paul. Uh, He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit immediately Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. Now guys, you — don't miss this moment. This whole being baptized thing is a big deal. Here's what you got to remember, the church is brand new. This whole baptism thing is a weird, funky thing that's going on that people have never seen before. This hasn't been watered down by 2,000 years of history. This isn't something that your parents do for you when you're a little baby. This is completely out of the ordinary. And the only people who get baptized are people who are absolutely radical followers of Jesus Christ because — you ready for this? There are no baptistries. See, you can't go into the church and just get baptized in front of Christians. There there are no backyard swimming pools. You can't just, you know, hop in your backyard and say, hey, I'm gonna invite a couple friends over to see me. To get baptized in this moment, you've got to go down to the river. Now, here's what this means. The river is the center of town. You've got to remember, there's no plumbing, there's no running water, so you build the town around the source of water. The river is literally the central part of town. And now here's Paul, the guy who has hated Christians, the guy who's been killing Christians, and now he are one. And he's standing out in public where everybody can see him going through this weird, funky ritual of baptism. Which really is a statement of faith. When you stand in the water you're saying, I believe Jesus lived. When you get dunked under the water you're saying, I believe Jesus died and was buried. And when you get raised out of the water you're saying, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And here's Paul, publicly, in front of the whole town, in the center of town, declaring I used to be killing these people, now I are one. Guys, if, if I was gonna try to put this into a modern term, this is like getting a face tat. This is, this is one of those moments, you just you, what, it's one and done. Once you do this, you can't hide it. It's just there. And that's what baptism is in this moment. Here's why that's critical. What you need to get in the moment is that when Paul makes this decision about Jesus Christ, he is all in. He's not partly in, he's not tiptoeing in his faith, this guy is all in. Think about it for a second. Everything he has lived his life for up till now is gone if he follows Jesus. We We already told you, he's been a member of the Sanhedrin. He's one of the elite 40 theologians in all of Judaism. It's gone if he follows Jesus. He's been a Pharisee, which means he's part of the most prestigious religious sect within Judaism. Every bit of his accolades, every person who recognizes him, every bit of his resource and income is all tied in to being a religious Jew. And the moment he decides to get baptized, the moment he decides to declare publicly, I am now a follower of Jesus Christ, you realize he loses everything that he has lived his life for up till now, because, because, because. Paul is all in. He is all in. It's part of what makes him a legendary follower of Jesus Christ. See, he's not a, let's see how this goes kind of guy. He's not a, let's, let's kind of experiment, let's, let's let people get used to the idea. Paul simply says, look, if this is real, if this has ha- I'm all in. And here's what you need to know. Every strong Christian you know, every Christian who you say, man, I wish I could live a life like them. Boy, they are uh, incredible followers of Jesus Christ. Every Christian like that has a story of surrender. They've got a moment in which they had to get all in with Jesus. There are no great Christians who tiptoe their faith. I'm 15 years old and, man, I I was living my life, I I had my life planned out. I know that sounds weird at 15, but I did. I, I, I was gonna be a surgeon, and an awful lot of that was kind of based on the fact that I'd grown up so poor, and I just thought, man, if I were, if I were a doctor, if I were a surgeon, there'd be status involved in that. I I was one of the kids you didn't notice, and I thought, boy, that'd be just so cool to have that prestige in my life, and then to have income like that. I was cool when I was 15. I was — you've got to get the moment, this is just kind of right after the hippies, but I I still had the long hair, and I had elephant bell-bottoms. Anybody remember elephant bell-bottoms? Anybody that old in the room? Okay, there's three of us. There's three of us. Th- okay, so let me tell you, whippersnappers, elephant bells, you'd buy the biggest bell-bottom pants you could and you'd slice the seam and you'd add material because your bell-bottoms needed to be like four foot across. And we were cool. I'd roll up my sleeves as high as I could on my arm so you could see my biceps. I was cool. And I remember at 15 years old wrestling with God. And God was saying to my heart, Lynn, you're a part-time follower. You're a half-in Christian. And I remember saying to God, "God, look, 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 come on, you know, hey, we can work a deal. I'll, I'll, I'll put, I'll put Bible storybooks in my waiting room. I'll put verses on the wall. And God just said, no. Because here's the deal. So you love what you have planned for your life more than you love me. And I'm just going to be honest. I, I was pretty sure if I followed God, he'd make me really uncool. Probably have me cut my hair. But I remember as sure as I'm standing here today, Coming to a defining moment in my heart in which God was saying to me, Lynn, if you accomplish everything you've got on the agenda for your life, if you do everything you've got planned and you're an amazing heart surgeon, and it won't matter compared to one day of following me with all your heart. I surrendered. I turned and I just, I said what Paul said in that moment, I said, if if none of this ever happens, if I never accomplish this, there's one thing I'm going to do right in my life. It's follow Jesus Christ. Every solid Christian you know has a story of surrender. you." Grab your Bibles real quick, and we're going to look this verse up together. It's Romans chapter 12. If you're not familiar, go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, Romans chapter 12. It's interesting, anybody know who wrote the book of Romans? A guy by the name of… Paul. So these are his very words describing this very conversation that you and I are having right now. It's Romans uh, chapter 12. Here's what he says. Starting in verse 1, he says, I urge you, I beg you, if you don't get anything else right, get this right. This is critical for your Christian faith. I beg you, I beg you, I beg you. You ready? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. The King James Version says, this is the only reasonable thing for a Christian to do. Think about this. Here's what Paul said. He says, look, 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 in light of what God did for you, in light of God's mercy for you, you get, guys, you get that before Jesus, we were all headed for a Christless eternity. We were headed, let's just say it out loud, we were headed for hell. There was no amount of good stuff we could do. There was no amount of religiousness that we could do. We were all headed for eternal death, hell. And Jesus, who didn't gain anything by it except He loved us that much, went and died on a cross and paid for what you and I had done wrong. What's mercy? It says, in light of God's mercy to you. What's mercy? Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. I should have beat the crud out of that guy, but I had mercy on him. You felt that way driving this week, didn't you? All right. It's mercy. You and I should have gone into a crisis eternity. You and I should have been in hell. But in mercy, not giving you and me what we deserve, Jesus died for you. And Paul says, if that sinks in, if you understand how incredible that moment is, then living for Jesus 100%, living for Jesus on point, saying, look, if I don't do anything else in my life right, I'm gonna follow that Jesus, ought to make perfect sense, Paul says. And he says, when it does. You and I will become living sacrifices. You get what a sacrifice is, right? You take a little lamb, you put it on the altar, you kill the lamb. Something dies when you sacrifice. And when you and I figure out what Jesus did for us, then the most natural thing to do is take everything that we were living for ourselves for and sacrifice it. Let it die that we may be able to pursue Him that if we get nothing else right in our life, that following Him is the thing we get right. And Paul says, you ready? Paul says, that's only reasonable if you're a Christian, to be all in. This is interesting because we don't do this intuitively, do we? We, we would much prefer to portion our lives to God. So, unlike Paul, here's what you and I do. We say, look, 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 this, this, this whole being in all at one, I mean, that's just so radical and crazy, here's, here's what I'll do. I'll give God, I'll give God an opportunity to show me that He is reliable enough for all of my life. So, we'll just, we'll just give him a test case. So, we look at our lives and we go, okay, look, I'm not ready to give him my career yet because, look, I I just got a feeling there's some business decisions God's probably not too savvy on. He wouldn't understand how to do it, doesn't get how business works in the 21st century. So, I'll hang on to that a little bit, and admiration, dude, there's just no way, I've got people who I need them to acknowledge me, so I'm gonna hang — but I'll tell you what I'll do, I've been messing up my marriage anyways. So it probably wouldn't hurt if I gave that to God. And so what I'll do — I'm, I'm I'm willing, I'm committed, I'll do whatever the Bible says about marriage, you know, it probably could help, so I'll, I'll do that, I'll let God have that part. And then uh, we look at our entertainment, we go, okay, I know, I know there's some things I watch on TV, and there's probably some movies I go to that I probably shouldn't be going to. All right, all right, all right. God, you you can do, you you can do that. And then we go, finances, (laughs) no. (laughs) Habits, uh, okay, let's try this. Let's try this, so here's the deal, God, I'm gonna delegate these things to you, let's see how you do with those, and you know, if you do well, then I, I would consider, you know, maybe something else, but right now I'm pretty sure I better, I better stay responsible for these. And we — get this, get this moment — we expect God to be excited that we gave Him a portion of our lives. See, we're like, God, isn't this so cool? I mean, look at this. Look how much surrender I've got. I gave you my entertainment and I gave you my family. Woo, I'm on fire. But isn't it true that you didn't give the rest because you don't believe and you don't trust? Isn't this what an employer does with an employee? Doesn't an employer say, hey, look, here's the deal, I mean, you're not ready to run the whole company yet, so here's what we'll do, I'll I'll let you run shipping and receiving, and I'll let you do accounts payable. But you know, all the rest, all the advertising, all the procurement, all the rest, I'll keep that right now, because you're not ready for it yet. And if you do this, well, we can talk about me maybe allowing you to have other portions of the business to steer and control. Isn't that what an employer does with an employee? No wonder God's not too excited when you and I delegate portions of our lives to Him and say to him, let's, let's evaluate how you do on that and we can talk about. When you do that in your life, who's employed who? Who's God of who? Whom? Who? Okay. Whom. (laughs) And I'm just going to say to you guys, God doesn't play that game. He's not interested. Because, because you ready for this, guys? It's what Paul understood. Jesus is either Lord of all. You've got to be willing to take every part of your life and say, look, I'm not going to run that. I'm not going to control that. I lay that, whatever my plans were for that, I'm leaving that. The one thing I'm going to do right is follow you. Which means all of that is at your discretion, God. Jesus is either Lord of all of your life, or He's not Lord at all in your life. There is no part-time God. And He's not your employee. just terrifies us, doesn't it? Because let's just be honest, there's an awful lot of us who came to follow Jesus Christ not because we loved Him and not because we really believed He was who He said He was. We came to follow Jesus because He was an end to a means. Our marriage wasn't doing very well or maybe our job had fallen apart and someone said, hey, Jesus can help you with that. And so, we actually came to Jesus because we just wanted to fix our job. We just wanted to fix our marriage, we weren't looking for a Lord. We were looking for a lucky rabbit's foot. We we were looking for some religious thing to kind of rub on whatever part of our life wasn't quite working, hoping that He would be helpful to us in achieving our own goals. And here's what you need to know. Jesus is not an end to a means, or a means to an end, he's, He's not something to be helpful for you to reach your own goals. He is the end. He is the reason for living. It's why, Paul says, the only reasonable thing to do is set this aside and follow Him with all your heart. Grab your Bibles one more time. It's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It's gonna be to the right in your Bible, if your Bible's still open. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Guess who wrote Galatians? Paul. So this is Paul's own words again. Here's what Paul says about this very moment. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. What does that mean? I've been crucified with Christ. Paul's saying, when I got serious about Jesus, something died. Everything I was living for, all of my plans, crucified, that I might follow Christ. And the life that I now live, I live in the faith of the Son of God. If there's only one thing I ever get right, it's this following Jesus I'm going to get right. Every great Christian you know has had a moment of total surrender. It's interesting what happens next. And and I'm not going to make you go there because it's a longer passage, let me me just read it to you. It's actually right here in Galatians. Let me read to you what Paul does next, okay? Follow along and see if you can see it in the passage. Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 11. Here's what it says, I want you to know, brothers, that the Gospel I preached is not something that man made up. Verse 12, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, rather I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life, how I used to live, what I used to live for, my previous life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. But when God who set me apart from birth and called me by His grace was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach among the Gentiles. I did not consult with man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately to Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter." Get the moment, get the moment. When I became a follower of Christ. My first thing wasn't, hey, I'm going to go check out the other disciples, I'm going to go — do you see what he did? He went into three years of intensive Bible study, because, because, because — here's what he said, if I'm going to follow this Jesus, I better know what he talked about. Let me ask you a question. If you're going to be a sold-out follower of God, how do you do that if you don't know what He taught? And the most natural thing, and here's the deal, I, I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now how sold-out you are. I can tell you right now how serious you are about following Jesus, because it will be in direct proportion to how serious you are about the Word of God. Because, because, because you cannot follow Jesus if you don't know what He taught. You cannot be obedient if you don't know what He said. I mean, what are we doing, guys, because there's a heck of a lot of us that, you know, we've, we've barely even scratched the surface. We've been so casual about getting in the Word of God. And so, we go out to live our lives and you realize every single day we've got a hundred decisions to make about entertainment, about how we use our language, who we associate with, hundreds of decisions every day. And then we are so limited in our Bible knowledge that we get to a point we go, okay, well that's, that's all I know. Now what? For the next 98 decisions you're going to make, and you don't even know what the Word of God says about that, are you just going to wing it? And if you're going to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, the moment you're all in, you better dig in. You better get darn, darn, darn serious about the Word of God because you can't obey what you don't know in your life. Imagine this. just, just What if your goal, what if your goal instead of being the goal of following Jesus and that being the one thing you do right, what if your goal was to be a professional golfer? And one day you win one week's worth of lessons from Tiger Woods. So sure enough, Tiger Woods shows up, your goal in life is to be a professional golfer. Tiger Woods shows up, he says, okay, first lesson, uh, put your hand here and then I want you to turn your wrist there and you go, got it. And Tiger says, okay, lesson number two, no, 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 got it. The tiger says, no, 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 you got a week's worth of… No, 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 got it. If your goal was to be a professional golfer, would you ever do that? And yet, how casually do we as Christians come in and we do, hey, you know what, God, I'll give you one day a week, I'll come in on Sunday, I'll hear a one-hour sermon, got it. If you were serious about following God, you'd be serious about the Word of God. And you would take every lesson seriously. You'd suck the marrow out of the bones of Scripture. That's what Paul did differently. He said, the minute I was all in, I dug in to the Word of God so I'd know how to live. Do you ever wonder, do you ever wonder why we push so hard here for you to be part of a small group or to be part of a small church or to be part of the mine, or a men's ministry or a women's ministry? Guys, 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 we don't get a percentage based on attendance. So, why do we encourage you to do that? Because you cannot follow God unless you know what He taught. And sitting in the purple chairs on Sunday will never get you far enough. I don't care if you do it the rest of your life, for you to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Somewhere you're going to have to say, I'm so serious about this, I'll invest more than an hour a week in following Jesus. And I'm going to learn what He said so I can live what He said. So I'm going to ask you one more time, if you're all in, will you dig in? Will you make a commitment with me today to say, look, I'm not going to do this casually. I'm going to begin to immerse myself. I'm going to begin to study the Word of God because I want to live a legendary life for Him. So, here's what we he did to help you out. If you're ready to make that type of decision in your life, it's as easy as a text today. So, we put it together and we said, here's the deal. So, you can grab your phones. All you have to do is text to 411 411- 247 and let us know that you're interested in going deeper and further, okay? And if you're interested in small groups, which the really cool thing about small groups is it's 10 or 12 people who you're going to be able to share life with and you're going to have community with and you're going to be able to sit in that room and ask questions about the Word of God, if you want to be in a small group, just type the word small group when you text that. If you're interested in a small church, and here's why I like small churches, you realize small churches are happening right now. You could come to church one hour, you could go do small church one hour, someone's going to watch your kids, you'd be done two hours on Sunday. And you'd be further than you are right now. And it's in community where people are going to care about you and come to the hospital when you're hurting and are going to pray for your children when they're rebelling. It's a small church inside of a big church. And just type small church to 411-247. Because if you're all in, you're gonna dig in, right? And then the last one, uh, we've got a thing that meets in this room on Tuesday nights, it's called the mind. You realize that is seminary-level Bible, at least Bible college-level Bible, every Tuesday night in this room as we go verse-by-verse through Scripture. There are some of you in the room that need to be in the mind. So same number, 411-2470, just type the mind. I'm going to be there this starting this Tuesday night. Because when you're all in, you'll dig in. Let's pray. Hey guys, I just want to say to you as we're coming to this moment, some of you know, I've been giving God portions of my life. I've been waiting to see how he behaved to decide whether or not I would trust him with other parts. God's not playing that game. That's why it's not working. That's why you're still terrified. You see, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. You're either all in or you're just playing. And I just want to encourage you today, today could be that day of surrender. Today could be that day that changes the entire conversation for you to say, hey, look, if I don't do anything else right in my life, if I never make as much money as I hoped, if I never have as many friends as I hoped, if I never get the approval, there's one thing I'm going to do right, and that's follow my Jesus. I'm all in. And today could be that legendary, defining day of your life. But if you're all in, you're gonna dig in. You're gonna become ravenous and you're gonna study God's word so that you know how to live this life. It's gonna mean not being casual and part-time anymore in your faith. And you'll dig in. Dear Lord Jesus, would you forgive us Forgive us for thinking that you were snake oil, that you were something we rub on top of the plans of our life so that they would turn out the way that we always hoped. So that a little Jesus in our family would fix our family and a little Jesus in my finances would help me financially. The reality is we've tried to employ you to our own plans. And God, we're just finding ourselves in a moment where we know we need to make you Lord and not our employee. And so we're coming with surrender and we're taking all the hopes and all the dreams and all the plans we had for our life and saying, God, if it never happens, that's okay. Because there's one thing I want to get right in my life and that's following my Jesus. There are some of us in this room who've made that commitment yet we've never followed through with digging in. We've never actually said, I'm going to make myself uncomfortable, I'm going to set aside time that I don't have to learn the Word of God because I can't obey what I don't know. And today I'm going to begin to dig in. I'm going to start having daily devotions, I'm going to start going to the mine or Bible studies. I'm not content being a one-hour Christian. God. Help us to learn from a legendary man how to live a legendary life. In Jesus' precious name, amen.